How would you like to earn more money and not just traffic links and shares from your SEO? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Business Podcast, and today I'm speaking with Kerry. Kerry Campion, who is an SEO copywriter who founded God Save the SERP. Being an SEO, Kerry knows more than just writing great copy that Google and humans love. She works on content marketing that increases traffic and sales. And in this podcast episode, Kerry and I specifically talk about what SEO copywriting is, what it consists of, and why you need it for your website. Then we dive into her four-pillar content marketing strategy, which takes up most of the podcast because it's absolutely excellent. We talk about the different types of content that you must be creating for your blog to ensure the perfect combination of link building, traffic, social shares, distribution, and sales. We also talk about how and why we should be creating content for disabled people to ensure they have a great experience consuming our content and what we can do to ensure we can create that type of content and change our content to cater to those people that do have reading impairments and other disabilities, consuming content on the internet. We also talk about how to find the words that you should be using in your copy on your website, through all your blogs, through everything you say, and your branding and everything based on your audience data and why that's key. Now, I share a story around this on how we do it and how it's worked for me. When Kerry also shares a story on how it's worked for her too. And there's so much more value in this podcast episode. I know you're absolutely going to love it. If you own any online business and need to know how to create content, and then you're absolutely going to love this podcast episode. Let's dive into it. Do you want to build or grow your content website? Niche website builders have helped hundreds of people to take their content websites from a few hundred dollars per month to over tens of thousands of dollars per month with crafted content creation, buying age domains, and link building strategies. These strategies have helped people increase their traffic, authority, monthly earnings, and their website valuation too. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash B-O-B forward slash to get 10% off any link building or 10% more from their content creation services. That's nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob forward slash. I'll put a link in the description too. Kerry, welcome to the Bob podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited. We were trying to work this out for a while. <laughs> we, 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 we finally got a day at a time. <laughs> life it gets yeah. crazy sometimes doesn't it we we had a pre-chat um and i was really excited to buy some of the discussions and some of the topics that um we decided we we dig into uh, mm-hmm. but for those who don't know who you are and what you do you you're known for seo cop like i just want to unwrap that a bit people might be going what what is seo copy so yeah w- what is that <laughs> yeah so actually it's kind of an interesting time at my business as well um because we're kind of doing a slide, a kind of pivot. It's still the same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm an SEO copywriter and content marketing strategist. So essentially what SEO copy is, kind of content on your website. So your web pages, your blog content that is specifically written and designed. I don't want to say just for search engines because it has a bad reputation, um, mm. but it, in, in such a way that it makes it easier for Google to understand what your what your content is um, and what you're actually talking about. So yeah, it's essentially optimizing it usually around, um, you know, a keyword around a certain topic and yeah, trying to, trying to get that content to 
get ranked better in in Google okay, and other cool. search engines, of course. But usually we're talking about Google. It's the... Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so you also said it's not just structured for Google. We want to make sure it's structured for user experience as well, which mm-hmm. is going to be good for Google anyway. What goes into the structuring of of a good article or a good blog post is it's it's around the main keyword right and then you have sub keywords lsi keywords whatever you want to call them and then you have h2s and stuff like how what are some of the things like that's just very broad most people know what i've just said but i'm sure you've got some more in-depth explanations around what that sort of looks like yeah i mean one of the things that the more sophisticated google and search engine becomes the closer what they require to actually, you know, rank a page is closer to what kind of people want and expect, you know, whereas before it was just, oh, plug your keyword X amount of times and boom, you'll, <laughs> you'll get an article. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the ways I like to kind of get people to think about it is, so in an article, you have what's known as, for instance, a title tag. So that's essentially what shows up when, when you type something in Google and you read like the, the titles of all the pages, that's, that's the title tag. Then you have like a little description underneath it. That's the meta description. So usually before it was super easy to manipulate. You would have just written, you know, I don't know, margarita pizza recipe. Uh, Click this article to read a delicious, you know, margarita recipe. But imagine if someone clicked on that and the actual content was about like cryptocurrency, (laughs) right? Like all Google had to go on was like the title tag and the meta description. That would be ridiculous, right? So they need other indicators. They need, yeah, other kind of clues as to what your content is about. So that's what's quite important about, well, kind of what you just mentioned, those, um, I just like to refer to them as like associated words. Like that's your kind of um, LSI keywords and things like that. So essentially, if you're talking about margarita pizza, well, I also expect in that article words like dough, um, tomato, uh, cheese, mozzarella, blah, 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 blah. You know, you kind of expect all these sort of related terms and that's I mean there's not a great art to that because if you're talking about that topic anyway you should be including those words relatively naturally um so yeah that's kind of a big one just to make sure that you're covering a topic with enough depth that you're covering also those related keywords that if you're talking about that topic they should be there naturally anyway Mm. so there is um a tool that I really like to use for this called phrase that's F-R-A-S-E dot I-O. So that's essentially like um, a tool to, to optimize your content. You can optimize it as well around those types of those types of related keywords and things like that. So for me, that's, you know, kind of where we're more moving to. So yeah, making sure that you have, that you're covering a topic in enough depth that you're bringing in those other words, especially because certain keywords can have two meanings, mm. you know? Like for instance, there's like a deck, which I don't know if, if our... American friends call it this, uh, but you know, like a deck in like your garden, you know, like those little, like the wood yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, like a porch. Yeah. Yes, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> deck that, or you can have like a deck of a ship, you know? So yeah. all yeah. those kind of like related keywords just help Google understand, ah, okay. So it's, it's, it's about a deck on a ship, right? Not in like your garden. Yeah. Or, you know, one of my articles is about case studies, but I realized. I wasn't clear enough that it was business case studies, customer success stories, because, yeah. the, you know, when, when you look at the um, search engine results page, there's also academic case studies, uh, you know, scientific mm-hmm. ones. And it wasn't quite sure 
where I was really talking about because I wasn't talking about those other things as well. Mm. So yeah, um, that's a big one. On the other more technical side, I mean, you kind of mentioned the user experience and things like that as well. So we have different headings in a, in a page. So we have like the big heading, that's like the H1, that's kind of imagine like the title of your article. Um, we have our H2s, which are like subheadings, and H3s are the subheadings of H2s. It's <laughs> it's kind of like those Russian dolls, you know, like each one kind of fits <laughs> into each other. So using those correctly, I mean, for me, it's not that it's going to have like a huge effect on SEO, but it's going to make for a better reading experience. It's going to make mm-hmm. your writing more organized. So that's kind of, you know, where I'm thinking about the, the true value that, that they actually have. And then, yeah, like I said, I mean, Google kind of likes what people like. I mean, nice paragraphs that are like, you know, not 16 lines long. This is the internet. This is not Tolstoy. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. people want digestible information. They want bullet points. They want images, graphics, uh, videos. So, yeah, I mean, all of those things kind of really come together to make a great article. And it's essentially thinking about what what makes a great reading experience. And then, you know, that's essentially what Google wants as well. Uh, it's a good word, reading experience. Nobody wants to jump on the internet and see text like they see it in the Bible. Right, right like, exactly. That's just, that's just crazy. <laughs> and as our intention, as, as our attention span just gets like faster and faster, Mm-hmm. Um, we need those different types of content to give ourselves a break because we're getting lazy these days with how we yeah. consume things. <laughs> uh, exactly. And, you know, having, you know, related images as well. I mean, that's, that's also good for SEO because that's good for image SEO. You know, like mm-hmm. um, one thing that happened to me the other day, and this was absolutely was not thinking about SEO whatsoever when I uploaded this, but it just shows you like just the, the knock on benefit that you can have. So I have an article about how to become an SEO copywriter because I have a course uh, for copywriters who want to specialize in, in, in SEO copywriting. And so I, I did like a little quote graphic um, of David Ogilvy's like the OG of copywriting and advertising world, you know, kind of madman <laughs> type type figure. And it was just cool. like, yeah, I think I think the, you know, description of the image was something like David Ogilvy quote. Yeah, the the alt um, tag, which is just a little short description of what the image is. I think I, I just put the actual quote in itself. Well, it got picked up by by Copyblogger in like one of their presentations. Right. And it was a branded graphic. Like it had my logo on it. And I was like, oh my God. Congrats. <laughs> I, mean, also, that was, I, I know. I was st- and I was, it was actually a presentation that I was watching. And I just like saw it pop up. I was like, that's my image. That's my branded image being shown to like thousands of people. <laughs> That's so, when you made it. When you're watching was, something and you pop up and you're like, "Yeah, I've, I've made it." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, thank you, Canva, for that template." <laughs> I, I had I had a similar thing happen to me the other day. I was going through a, a Facebook group and I was like showing a, a client what to do in this Facebook group with buying sites and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was me just like boom, like with my big headshot and in the way. <laughs> I'm like, "Fuck, this is kind of embarrassing." Like, I'm trying to show you this and I'm just in the way. Like. <laughs> Good, good, good stuff though. So yeah, imagery, coming back to that image, having the right alt text and the right, so having a description as well is going to help it? Yeah. So actually, um, I've been trying to sort of up my knowledge more on accessibility. Um, Mm -hmm. So accessibility basically refers to making your content more accessible for people with uh, certain disabilities. 
So particularly when we think about that, and this is absolutely not like the, you know, the only disability out there, but we're th- yeah. thinking a lot about people who use what's known as screen readers. So people yep. who are blind, who, you know, can't see the internet, they have uh, basically a machine that reads um, the content to them. I actually had an expert come in with, uh, um, on my membership, my firm for, for copywriters and give like a presentation on this. And one thing I was always like, how can we do better alt text? Because usually alt text sucks. It just, you know, it's, it's Dicing. traditionally, Dicing. Yeah. 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 And it's traditionally just been a place where people try to like stuff a keyword in, you know, yeah. delicious yeah. margarita pizza, Manhattan, Manhattan pizza. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> exactly. It's ridiculous. So this alt text, it's basically like people who use screen readers, they can have an image described to them. Um, so actually what she was telling me was it should, it can be just as basic as possible, you know, like mm-hmm. woman smile, blah, blah, blah. But what you can actually leverage as well is the caption. So for things like, for instance, if you're doing like a quote graphic, yeah. uh, I would probably do like the alt text, you know, David Ogilvie, um, killer poet quote. And then in the caption, I would actually put out, I would actually write the full quote. Full or if quote. it's like an infographic, I would, you know, try to maybe summarize um, some of like the key points, like with a client, you know, I was working on one of his pages. Um, we had you know, an infographic. It was like average salary of, you know, SDR in the US. Mm. And so I, I kind of just put in the, in, in the caption, like um, the average salary across all the states or some something, something like that. All of these things, you know, they make it more accessible for people. Um, and it, again, Google wants accessible that, content. It doesn't yes. want if if someone can't access your content, well then why why should it be on the first page of Google essentially? So thinking about accessibility, especially around images, uh, there's there's so much more. Um, but yeah, that's like a big one that I think people have never really understood what alt text and sort of the you know how to present an image actually what it actually mm. entails. So let's talk about more about accessibility with our content. What are, because that's the way you're saying Google is is leaning towards having content that's accessible to everybody, even if they have um, impairments in how they consume content, uh, and it can change and differ from person to person. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other ways? Is it just you know looking at text and making sure we've got a description and the alt text is really good um to cater to those people or are there some other things that we can do as well yeah so again like i'm not an expert um but i have learned you know a few tips and tricks along along the way uh, just because i've i have a great network and i'm very lucky to benefit from all these people so one thing that i realized that i was guilty of was having the same call to action so a call to action is like the the text on like a button on a website I was very guilty of having the same one all the way through, or I was guilty of making the call to action dependent on reading the copy before it. You know, it was almost like a continuation. You're like, okay, yeah, I want blah, 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 blah. But it wouldn't have made sense if you hadn't read the copy first. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons why that's less accessible is because sometimes people with screen readers, they actually skim content based on the links. So they actually read like the calls to action as a way to like skim the content. So imagine if you have, yeah, like your main services pages, say, and you, yeah. you know, for me, it might be like um, website copy, uh, content marketing strategy. Well, if both of those calls to actions to go to both of those pages is the same, the person with the screen reader doesn't actually know where they're going to go, you know? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or like, I could just think it's, let's skip it. 
Really? Yeah, like if it's learn learn more and, and they're and, and they're scanning the links, they're like, we'll learn more about what, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So exactly. that was that was one thing that was that was quite eye opening to me. I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, of course, as a person, you know, who's privileged and, you know, doesn't have any dis- disabilities. That was, <laughs> that was very eye opening for me. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's the, I, didn't, I didn't even think they would have scanned content like that. Yeah. Um, yeah but it's, yeah. but I think when you think about it, I think we kind of do it, too. You know, like we we kind of like see a, a colored button and, we, and like our eyes kind of go to it. You know, we just we're just less aware of it. I, I definitely notice it when I'm reviewing us like some content on a, say, an affiliate post. Mm-hmm. And there will be just the image and the text and the bullet points. And I'll just skip past one. I'll read a bit and then I'll just skip past one to go to the next one. Then go to yeah. the next one and just like definitely use it as a way to skim. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'd never thought about that before until, mm. um, you know, this this accessibility expert gave like a, an, an, uh, a workshop uh, to, our, to our members. Or another thing I had no idea was apparently forms are very hard to navigate for people with screen readers. Yeah. So a typical kind of contact form. So, you know, instead of having only one way for people to contact you, you can also say, you know, oh, here's my email as well. If that, you mm. know, if you would rather not use a form because, you know, there, there may be like accessibility issues. Um, another thing as well is actual, um, sometimes even just like the language, like the copy itself. Um, this is one thing, again, so you, you, you don't realize how guilty you are of this until someone kind of points it out. But I was mm. reviewing one of my uh, email sequences and it said something like "poke the pink button below." When I was, and then I was like, "Oh, well, obviously, someone can't see colors, you know." Poke the pink button below. Um, so you know to kind of take out that language that's dependent on a certain um, sense, or you know that 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 someone might not actually Impairment. have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, just I mean, little little things like that, and I think as well, just giving people options. It's always good for, you know, user experience in general like that. Like don't just have a form, have like an email there as well, because mm-hmm. if someone can't navigate your form or even if there's just a problem with it, which sometimes happens, you know, I. It's pretty regular, a, actually. It's a very regular occurrence. Exactly. <laughs> like the amount of times I've had people email me saying like, oh, I tried to get your form and it was offline or, you know, yeah. because I, I use. Um, are you familiar with ClickUp project management system? Yeah. 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 So I, I use their forms to kind of, you know, for my contact forms. Okay. Got you. But sometimes it would just, just disappear <laughs> for no apparent reason. And so I was like, oh, thank God I had like my email there at least, you know. Um, I didn't even know ClickUp was a thing for, for lead capture. There you go. I, I kind of, I was like, they, they have forms. And I was like, I could use this for lead capture because then it automatically creates a task, you know, for me. So uh, I, like, it doesn't get like lost in my email, you know? Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. kind of where I was thinking of. But yeah, but because I'd included an email, people were still able to get in touch if yes. you know they couldn't, you know. I'm very glad I've got my email on my my contact page now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> it's something I think a lot of people are resistant to, and then you're thinking, well, you could actually be losing leads because of it or making Why it wouldn't less you? successful. I think it's just crazy. I give people my email in all of my content. Just yeah. like email me, like ask me questions. Like if you need help, reach out and get it. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah exactly i i, I don't really you know i guess it's like you really hate email but i mean well, yeah i don't like it either to help you with it if you get too many leads it's a good problem to have yeah exactly <laughs> just hire a virtual assistant or you know done yeah, exactly yeah. so i want to talk about um your four pillar content strategy for or four pillar strategy for content marketing 
yeah, I, I don't know. Let's just dive into that. What does that look like? Because yeah, I know so you're a content marketing strategist. What, what does this pillar strategy look like? And then I guess we'll evolve into more questions as you explain. Yeah. So generally speaking, this is one I tend to use a lot with, I mean, it's kind of the basis for like everyone, but um, um, it's just a very, what, what I like about it is it's, it's quite simplified because you cannot, you kind of divide your content into these pillars, into these like buckets um, because it can be quite overwhelming to be like, Oh my God, like wh- what did I write content on? You could, <laughs> you could just, you could, you know, it's just a, it's a jungle out there. There's so many options. Mm. So I like to think of content in these kind of buckets. So there's content that builds links. There's yep. content that is more likely to generate social shares content. That's more likely to rank on Google. So kind of more uh, geared towards, you know, optimizing around certain keywords and things like that and content that generates seals. So those are the kind of four buckets that I would put in, I would, I would put content in. Um, so content that generates links is super important. Um, a lot of people kind of say, oh, I built this website with no link building and oh, look at it. It's amazing. Mostly they don't, you know, they, they don't disclose that it's an age domain that already had a bunch of links and things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could still I've happen. Seen this, I've seen this so regularly where people, because I see a lot, it's, it's very big now, right? Buying a site with, buying an right. age domain and building content on it. I see so many um, sites for sale that my clients are share, sharing with us that it's just got this massive DR and mm-hmm. the site's like a year old. I'm like, hang on, like, like what do you mean? Like, did yeah, they, yeah, buy, yeah. Wait, they, wait, they wait. buy this? And they go, oh, yeah, they, they went back and asked the question, like, oh, yeah, they bought this. And we found out, like, oftentimes, this is crazy. To, crazy. I want to share this with people as well. Okay. So I'm just going to steal the microphone for a bit. No, 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 go When on. people do that and they build, usually they're a rookie and they'll buy an age domain and build a budget content on it. And we, I get them to ask a certain set of questions like, did you, did you buy this as an age domain? If so, how much? What was the DR when you purchased it? Mm-hmm. And then you can look at the DR of what it is now. Yeah. And usually we see that there's a decline because <gasps> the, the content isn't great or the website's not great, um, which is very interesting, very interesting. That's very interesting. I don't think people talk about that enough. People kind of think like once you have a certain domain ranking, like a certain domain authority, like that's it. And then it, 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 it can only increase. But, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's no. just something that I have seen from association of being in the space, and right. yeah, I think it's I think it's quite fascinating. But I stole the microphone. I want to give it back to you. Um, no worries. On, yeah, people people saying, "Hey, I built this site, you know, and it just generates a bunch of links." But was the site based on this link generating content? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, just generally speaking, um, that sometimes people, there's kind of like a debate. People can say, oh, link, link building's dead. I mean, every every year you have a, something is dead within SEO. <laughs> SEO is dead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure but, thing. Yeah, there's kind of like this debate about like, oh, you know, link building's dead. You can generate mad traffic with no links. Um, I'm not buying it personally. Um, you can definitely get traffic without having a ton of backlinks but generating backlinks is is really important for seo and the way i kind of explain this is it's like a vote of confidence from the internet you know like people are linking to your site especially from well-respected websites uh you know it's like high da uh websites that you know maybe even have like a dot edu those are are the the golden eggs of links (laughs) you know respected sites i mean that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive that's gonna like 
give a little and nudge to Google that it's a trustworthy site. Yeah. And also Google discovers content by following links. So if a very authoritative website, um, you know, they, they are going in regularly and indexing it and crawling it and, you know, and if they see links to your website, well, then that's a way for them to discover your content. Mm. So link, link building is important and there's a ton of ways to build links. Um, and a lot of it is very manual. Uh, so it's, you know, the, for instance, like the reaching out to, you know, journalists for quotes and pitches, you know, be in their articles and kind of like a digital PR. Um, yeah. But there's this really like horrible, demotivating uh, side of link building, which is like, you know, the typical, oh, I read your article. I really loved it. I've written a similar article, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I'm like, would yeah. you link to me? And yeah, it's so I, And I, I mean, I think the only time, I'm being quite skeptical with that, but I mean, I think really the only time like that type of outreach works is if you already have a lot of leverage. So you could be like, okay, I see you have an article on this. Would you link to my article? Oh, by the way, I'm a you know writer for like malls.com and I, I can link to your site. You know, yeah. I think like that's the only time it really works. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are told like, oh yeah, just copy this like cold email template and send it to everyone and you know, you'll get links. And I've, I've never seen that really. Well, this well. it's just crazy. <laughs> that's, that's 15 years ago type stuff. Right. And exactly. That is, that's still being taught in courses and it's disgusting. <laughs> Completely. And, and again, from people who already have a huge network, lots of influence. And yeah, if they send an email to someone and they can say yeah. like, oh, I've, I've got this massive website I can link to you. Well, yeah, of course you're going to build links, but like your average person, like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So personally, I prefer much more like, yeah, digital PR route. Um, but then as well, you can, you can build content or you can build links from content because there's certain content that people are searching for specifically to link to something <laughs> mm-hmm. um so there's a, there's a few different types but i mean i'll go into one which is really typical um which is stats any kind of reports or statistics people love linking to statistics even when they're nonsense like that statistic what is it the for every dollar you spend in email marketing you get 43 back <laughs> such a bad study um it's like so it's really old tiny I sample size that or a quote oh god really oh, i had god, no I idea one more time like i don't <laughs> think anyone has ever been able to link to the like, original source of data because it's so like circulated <laughs> whoever believes that is completely ignorant to reality of every single marketing campaign even within your own business has a different roi Exactly. I, I, it's, um, yeah, if I hear, if I, and I've, I've seen big, respectable like companies, you know, like tout that stat. It's like, have you actually seen this study from there? It was a tiny sample size from years ago, and yeah, lots of other issues with it. But, but, um, yeah, but it, it's because people people want people are looking for statistics Proof. that basically prove it, like, right? <laughs> like. An email marketer would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna link to that stat and I'm gonna, you know, make sure everyone knows it. So yeah, producing your own statistics um, and your own data can be really like powerful for um, for SEO because people link to it. That's why you see a lot of websites with yeah, like email marketing statistics 2022 and all those types of articles. The yeah. problem is most people don't have access to an audience that's big enough to kind of you know, to, to, to survey and, you know, to produce data that's, yeah. you know, you know, yep. decent. Yep. So one, one way around this two ways actually is leveraging other people's audiences. 
So for instance, let's say you, your, your market is copywriters um, and you want to create a study, say, based around um, the average rates that copywriters are charging or something like that. But you don't really have enough people in your audience to, make, to have enough data to be able to like publish it. Mm. Um, you could actually reach out to, you know, kind of influencers in that space who you know they've got like a lot of followers who are copywriters, people in their <clears throat> email list, particularly their, their, their email list. And you can literally pay them to diffuse your study, you know, your survey. Um, yeah, so I mean, you would need a budget for that, but it can be really worth it because if you are able to get enough um, responses Links. to actually build out like a study, like the links you can build to that, with, yeah. especially with the right distribution track uh, tactics, um, can be can be really incredible. So, you know, reaching out to to different influencers, asking them to you know share your survey and things like that for like a fee um, could definitely be worth it. And then if you have like some sort of digital product as well, you could like give people for free if they um, take part to kind of incentivize it as well, because who's like, Oh yeah, I feel like taking a survey today. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> always give a gift, always give a gift to our members. Um, a really good gift when I ask for feedback on how to make our membership better. So that's right. one, that's one pillar. Mm-hmm. And there's what the three others. Let's dive into those three others. Yeah. So think, hopefully the others won't, won't be quite as long. <laughs> but, that's fine. We need to unpack um, So yeah, uh, the other one that makes seals. So this one, um, it sounds kind of obvious, but like, you know, this is your, your content should kind of be looked at in kind of like a funnel, right? So you kind of have that top of funnel content. So that's people who like, they're kind of trying to solve a problem, but they don't really know much about the solutions yet. I always use my dog as an example for this concept of, you know, the funnel, like my dog is reactive with other dogs. Um, so she sometimes acts like a psycho on the street when she sees like a big dog. Mm. So my, you know, top of funnel content for trying to sort that was why is my dog barking and lunging at other dogs? You know, I didn't really like know why it was happening. And it was, um, how to help reactive dogs because I'd done some research and I learned, oh, reactive, that's like the word that they use for that. So that was kind of like yeah. my, my problem searches. Yeah. So those are kind of like your top of funnel ones. And the further we get down there, the more ready people are to buy. So for instance, for me, it was, um, I discovered a, a course for reactive dogs. <laughs> and so I was starting to look at things like oh, clicker training for reactive dogs, online courses for reactive dogs, because I was starting to say like, okay, these can be a solution to help me solve this problem. So yeah, when we're talking about content that makes sales, it's really like those types of searches, you know, that either it's kind of reviews, you know, so I have like spirit dogs review, right? Which is probably someone who's got like an affiliate article and has written, you know, mm-hmm. good review on it. So those are kind of like the ones that I refer to when I talk about content that makes sales. Uh, to give an example from my own website. Um, so I have a article that does really well because thankfully there's not that much competition. Is <laughs> uh, best SEO copywriting courses. Yeah. And that was one of those ones like, you know, zero volume keyword or like super low volume. I can't remember exactly, but I said, well, it's still worth it for me because it's content that could generate a seal. So yeah. what I did there was I directly compared my course with other courses that are that are on the market. Uh, mm. I mine first, obviously. Uh, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it wasn't even like a ranking. It was just like, okay, you know, one, two, three, you know, just giving people the options. Um, yeah, so I directly compared myself with competitors. A lot of people mm. don't want to do that. And I say, well, if you're not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. And they're yeah. going to make their course look better than yours. And, you know, it, 
why why wouldn't you want to take charge yeah. of that conversation and actually mm. present your course as, as, as you want to present it? And so I can't remember exactly how much traffic that's generated in the last couple of months that it's been live. Not even that much. You know, maybe like 400 hits or something like that. I don't really know. But yeah. a, few, a couple of weeks ago, it just made me a sale. Like someone literally went from that blog post to yeah. my Podia and bought it full price. It's an 897 euro course. And that just blew the hair off my head. I was like, I, I know that this works. Like, I, you know, but yeah. to experience it yourself is just like, it's the closest I've ever felt to passive income, you know, where it was just like, I was just out there living my life. And then, you know, this person, I was like, I don't know this person. Because usually people who come to my courses, I have some contact with them. Like I kind of, they're on my email list, right? You know, yeah. I know them, I've maybe spoken to them, had a call or something. But this one was just completely like, you know, random. Mm. And then, you know, I did a bit of digging and realized that that was where they did just Google that, <laughs> found my blog post, bought the course. Um awesome. So yeah, it's anyone who has any type of course, uh, even membership, kind of digital products. I mean, you need to be comparing yourself with your competitors and and kind of taking charge of that conversation. So that's kind of one of one of the ways that you can generate sales directly from content. Um, another way, like for service providers as well, is like you know best web developers in Chicago. Yeah, and people I mean, people who are searching for that, like they're. I'm pretty like okay yeah i want to hire this person like there's kind of no two so this is what this is what other bloggers will call high intent keywords it's right exactly people that are ready to ready to purchase exactly yeah so that's the so that's the sales sales one and then also the link link building those two pillars what are the last two pillars so the last ones are content that ranks um so essentially that's that's our content that's our google content right yeah um which can be like the hardest one for people to build content around because they're not sure what keywords they should target. They're not sure what's too competitive for them, what's not competitive enough, what's worth their time. Is my audience really searching for this? It's it's kind of difficult. So when it comes to, I would say SEO does not start with a keyword research tool. SEO starts with your customers. Um, so really understanding that journey, that customer journey is so important because that understanding that customer journey is going to later inform your keyword research, it's going to inform what type of content you need to produce. So I always say like, if you haven't already, you need to get on calls with people. Like you need to actually like sit down and have this scary face-to-face moment, right? You know, Just to get to know your market. Right. right exactly i feel yeah. like it's it's you you could do surveys as well so like kind of surveys face to face but really that there's for me there's nothing that really compensates for like the the market research interview um it tends to be easier if you've already if you already have some some customers um or if you can again incentivize people like maybe they get a free module from your course or something um definitely i would i'm, I'm always I always tend to incentivize people because they're giving you your time. But generally speaking, what's good about people who've already gone through maybe your program or your course is that they know you. And a lot of people are very flattered if you just kind of tell them like, oh, I consider you like a dream customer and I, I want to attract more people just like you. And these are people like, that's like enough. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like quite flattered by that. You know? <laughs> one, way, so, one way that we do it is uh, I don't want to, once people are in my sphere and in my community membership or bought any of my products after that phase after they've joined i don't like what they say about how 
about the market and what they want has changed because they've learned from me on the inside. So the words that they use on the inside are very different to the words they use to find me and discover me. Absolutely. what I like to do is I like to ask just as people join, like, how do you discover me? What are your goals? What is all this sort of stuff that you, you know, what yes. are you looking to achieve? It's really good for me and us and our, and our business to be able to help people move them towards their goal. But what's super valuable is us taking and pulling those words out that they do use Absolutely. and put that into our content. Like exactly. what people want to do is they want to replace their income. Most people say, you know, I don't go to tell people and teach people, hey, I'm, I want to help you buy a business. Nobody wants to buy a business because it costs money <laughs> and it costs time, but they do want right. to replace their income, right? At the start, yes, I was like, I'm going to teach you how to buy a business. Example. They don't want that, yeah. <laughs> but exactly. That, they're, they're, they're not ready for that yet. They're just, no. they just want, they're exploring options about replacing yeah. their income. And then the more aware they become is, how do you buy, you know, a website or how do you invest in websites? And, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. gets more and more aware until, like you said, they're in those high intense key keywords. That's a brilliant point, actually. And you reminded me that, yeah, one thing I, I do with both my courses is I, ha- I have an intake form for yeah. that exact same reason. Yes. Uh, because A, it, it, it's helpful for them because it actually helps them kind of focus and like, it actually, I think what's helps their them. intention is when they come into what's their intention for what they want to get out of the course. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it kind of like, yeah, it's a little, little micro commitment, right? Like you've actually taken the time, like you've bought this and you know, we, we, we know people buy courses all the time and just like rots away and, you know, digital dungeon somewhere, you know, no one ever, <laughs> but I feel like with like the intake form, they're really like clarifying their intentions and why they've actually bothered to, to mm. show up and get this thing. So it's helpful for them. But exactly what you say, it's it's brilliant voice of customer research for for, mm-hmm. for, for that beginning phase as well. That's why like, I always recommend, you know, course creators and stuff that they, they have some sort of intake form. Because, I mean, I've, I've, I've gotten gold from that intake form, like things yeah. that I never really even knew were valuable to people that I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like. Yeah, I learned this from uh, a guy a couple of years ago um, from Dart. I think his, his name's John forget his last name, from Data Driven Marketing. And um, he was on the mm. podcast as well uh-huh. um, a couple of years ago. Uh, but, yeah, such a good way to really get customer data and pull that and use it in your marketing, not just like just everywhere in your marketing, just liter it through copy it. Copy particularly. Um, you, yeah. Right, because like in, in, in your copy as well, it's like you need to be using the same words as them so that they actually right. identify themselves as, oh, they're actually speaking to me because that's that's why I describe this. You know, it's an example I, I always use. And again, just to link it back to keywords is sometimes you have the curse of knowledge. You know, you're in like the jargon all the time and you're in like this world and sometimes your customers aren't. So imagine you're a photographer and you have a beginner's photographer course and you think, oh, everyone wants the Buka effect. Everyone's asking me about that. I'm going to write an article, how to achieve the Buka effect in photography. But here's the problem. People who use the word Buka, you know, are, they, they already know about photography, right? What people are actually asking when they're beginners, which is the target market, is how do I get a blurry background in my photos? Mm. You know, so you can see like how, you know, one article or the other can, can pull in a completely exactly. different market about the same topic. So that's why exactly. knowing that market is is key to understanding your 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 keyword research. Yeah. So that's content that ranks. What's the last one? The last one is content that generates social shares. So uh, this is super underrated, I think. 
yeah, I, f- I feel like there's kind of been a shift away from, yeah, kind of dist- content like distribution and, and sharing and social media. I think people think like, oh, you know, article, it should rank on Google. And I'm like, there's so many things you can do with an article. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't just be writing, you know, SEO content. Um, so one of the reasons I like using um, content that generates social shares is because it's a way to get exposed to other people's audience, uh, which is super important. And in the beginning, you know, you're not going to get a lot of traffic from Google. Like that's, you know, you're, it's just you're starting it's out. Gonna take, you it's don't gonna have take any authority. You can't be exactly keywords. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take a while, and you need to be showing search engines that this is a real site. People do actually go here. It has some life on it, and I, you know, that's me poorly paraphrasing. Uh, John John Mueller uh, from from <laughs> Google. I was watching one of his. He does these um these really great um office R sessions, you know, where kind of people come in and they, and, they, and they ask him questions about changes in Google and stuff. And one person asked him, well, I've got a brand new website. You know, what should I be doing to try and bring traffic to this? Because I, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm creating content that I hope is useful to my audience that will eventually rank on Google, but what should I really be doing? And he didn't, you know, say, oh, well, you know, go out and just create more content or blah, blah, blah. One of the things that he said was, you know, you need to drive traffic to it from somewhere else. Like, because that kind of shows us that, okay, it's, it's legit. There's people going there. It's a thing, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff going on there. Um, and yeah, one of the things we mentioned was obviously social media. So the way I kind of look at this is collaborations, particularly, um, and user generated content. So user generated content is basically content that comes from your audience themselves um so you might maybe have like an interview or you're promoting a certain member and then they want to obviously share that to their social channels who is usually filled with the same people in your target market so you're getting exposed to them and then they go and check out the interview and then they like oh i'm going to sign up for this email list and you know that kind of gets the ball rolling Mm. um or you know for instance yeah like i did an interview with someone who is a case study expert um because again i knew we had we shared similar audience and that content made sense on my site. Um, and because whenever you bring other people in with your content, they share it to their audience. So yeah, um, generating social shares is a big one as well. Yeah. And it, it generally comes about, I think best with collaborations and also kind of silly content. <laughs> like, you know, like imagine if I like, I've, I've been sitting on this for ages, need to actually do it. Cause I, um, I have done these types of kind of articles before, um, but not not for my site in particular, but like 19 memes, only copywriters will understand. You know, like yeah. things that really like those Something inside funny. jokes. Yeah. yeah, like those inside jokes, like BuzzFeed kind of like stuff. I mean, you look at BuzzFeed. You know. Well, they're king of social shares, right? Why not copy king of social shares. content? And it's so, it's just dumb, funny content. Yeah, that like that's right. <laughs> It can really be that simple. And it's like, because people like to share content that shows that they're in on the joke, you know? Yeah, they're on the inside. They get the the insider jokes. Exactly. It's why, you know, I follow this guy on Twitter. Um, I forget his last name, but it's uh, Dagobert or something. Um, and he does these like hilarious, like SAS finder memes. I like it. The, the number of retweets and comments and quote tweets that they get. It, it's just crazy because it's just that people... People like to be on the inside. They like those inside jokes. So yeah, yeah. So sometimes even producing that kind of like Buzzfeedy content, like that can that can 
really help generate social shares. Mm, I like it. And so would you have like a a percentage split? Would it be an equal 25% of each of those pillars? Or And I guess it would be dependent on the site as well, right? And your brand and what you're about. So it's, I guess it's that's a hard one to answer, right? <laughs> yeah, God, um, I really couldn't say. I Yeah, I really couldn't say. The only thing is, um, I mean, when it comes to the sort of SEO content, I tend to focus on topic clusters. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where you have a main topic. Uh, like, so a main topic with a main article that covers something in it, like a lot of depth. Yeah. very authoritative piece of content and then you create all these little articles that are related to that main topic and then you kind of link uh, between them that would be the only thing that i kind of you know would have a sort of number on maybe we have like a topic cluster of like 12 articles or something like that but for the other ones uh it's just it's so dependent on so many things and like yeah the, the, the client and their type of audience and yeah even just like the niche seasonality as well niche exactly yeah so i couldn't i couldn't really i couldn't really say and i guess with with those content clusters and this and the topics you could put maybe a couple of those in each of those clusters as well right yeah yeah exactly exactly like i've yeah some topic clusters that i very professionally built out on on a notebook (laughs) 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 and yeah i've definitely like for instance there's one around um um yeah like how to become an seo copywriter and one of those one of one that's related to it was in that cluster is is um how much do copywriters earn you know that's kind of mm-hmm. an article that I'm, I'm building out and that's obviously in the link building thing so i kind of think yeah if you if you're building out kind of topic clusters maybe try to include something from kind of all of those pillars and and as well you just kind of get to know your audience as well and, and what kind of works best i find people i have an article recently about workflows um building out a copywriting workflow that did super well like people mm. people were into that i'm like hmm okay so sort of get more ideas about maybe like yeah teasing this side a bit more and yeah this so is you- the best way to grow any business right is to not guess you know guess what i should do or to listen to other people and and do what they're telling me to do but based on the data that you have for your business of what's working like if exactly. that, that type of content worked, lean into it more. So yeah, yeah exactly. So it's, it's really just about like experimenting as well. And, and I, I think, you know, for instance, there's lots of kind of, there's lots of different variations on it, you know, like maybe if you're, you have an article where you're just kind of sourcing expert quotes, you know, that might be your kind of way to, to social share because then you get in touch with those experts again. Hey, the article's live. Um, you know, here's the link. I would really appreciate if you shared it with your audience. If they are big on Instagram, maybe give them like a little graphic they can put on you know, yeah. their feed or something like that. And, yeah. you know, that could be your sort of way of, 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 of doing that. So you, you do just kind of, yeah, like you say, just kind of learn yeah. uh, what, what works for your nation, your market by just experimenting. There's really, there is no substitute for that at all. Like Correct. you just need to just produce and test and feel. And yes. like I, my, my first pillar post, yeah, now I think about it, it was kind of dumb, but anyway, it was like how to market your business without social media. Because I was like trying to, you know, obviously promote uh, search engine optimization. I wrote super like long posts, uh, you know, went for like the big pillar thing. I got nothing from that article. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it just crashed and burned. No <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of picking up a little bit now. You know, I kind of see people filtering through on you know, it, and I'm just like, God, I, I've I've spent way too much time on that, you know. So but what I actually did once was my, now that's actually one of my sort of pillar posts, 
is a regular blog post length. You know, it's not this huge mammoth. Two thousand plus words, yeah. Just yeah, I mean, it. it probably is about two thousand. So that's kind of like my usual <laughs> word count. But you know, and, and and it's quite niche. A lot of people kind of think for your pillar post, you need to go for those big authoritative keywords. You don't always. It just again, if it doesn't make sense for your business, why would you? You know, mm. I have a course for copywriters to become SEO copywriters. So it makes perfect sense that my pillar post would be how to become an SEO copywriter. That's not a particularly competitive keyword or anything, but it gets me a, like a decent amount of traffic. It, it brings people you know, on my email list. And yeah, yeah and that's, that's a regular blog post that, you know, I didn't put effort into it, but like, Jesus, it wasn't as much as the, the how to market like social media. I thought like that was going to be it. That was going to be it. No one cared about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one cared. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I've done that with so many pieces of content as well. And just like, why? Like, this is so important to me and so good to share it with you. And just, you guys don't care. Like, what? Yeah. You're missing out. But uh, so you've like, got to meet the market where it's at. Kerry, this has been so fun to chat. Thank you so much for really coming has. on. You've mentioned your course. Tell us where we can go away and check out your course and where people can find out more about what you are doing as well. Yeah. So uh, my website is God Save the Serp. Uh, SERP stands for search engine results page. Uh, so yeah, it's godsafetheserp.com. You can find yeah ev- everything there about you know services and uh, my courses. I have a free keyword research course. Um, so it's a five day free email course. Uh, yeah, which has gotten really great feedback. I'm super happy. Uh, I think the kind of thing that people like about it the most is that it's showing you how to do keyword research without spending 114 bucks a month on, you know, these premium SEO terms that yeah, you really don't need if you're just doing keyword research. Like you, yeah. there's, there's, there's other ways to do it for like literally the tool that I show you, it's $10 for like a bajillion credits that last you forever. So yeah. Um, if you're in, in, interested in, in keyword research, definitely sign up for that. Um, yeah. And my course is called SERP Slayer. So that's really for, yeah, copywriters who we want to specialize in, in SEO copywriting. But yeah, the best place to find me, yeah, is really on my website, God Save the Surf, Twitter as well, KC de Santiago. Yeah, uh, I imagine it'll include the links anyway in the um, yeah. in the description. Oh, my Siri just went off. Oh, just <laughs> this. I have an Irish Siri, by the way. It's really funny. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Mine is yeah. a robot Siri and it just sounds disgusting, even though I don't use it much. <laughs> when I was setting it up, I thought when they were asking about like the accent, they were asking about my accent. So I was like, okay, yeah, Irish. And then I, you know, asked Siri something and I was like, oh, she's speaking to me in an Irish accent. That's good. Maybe maybe Australia hasn't got the technology yet for an Aussie Aussie accent. <laughs> so I'd love I'd loved to hear some bogan words. Bogan is like somebody that You'd have to look it up. Look up what a bogan is. I will. I will. <laughs> you will I'm, laugh. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much, Kerry, for coming on. If you have watched this and listened to this and you think this was valuable, please share this with somebody that you do know that has a content website or an online business that would benefit from some of the SEO principles and strategies and content strategies that we talked about in this podcast episode. Selfishly is going to help us help more people, but it will help you help your friends too. So thanks again, guys, and I'll speak to you on the next one. Thanks so much. Bye. This episode of the Buying Online Businesses podcast is brought to you by SMB Podcast 
network.com. This network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet which focuses on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice, ideas, and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more awesome shows. Now, if you've discovered this podcast episode today via the network, then I hope you enjoyed the show and will consider subscribing directly so you never miss any of our great podcasts.